0: They're going to Roy. This is for the
1: A three wins the series. It's Lillard, He got the shot off. Lewis got Hello and welcome into the Backyard Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Connor Scott, and today on this beautiful Sunday afternoon, we've got another episode of the Reliving Rip City series that we started last week. I'm joined, as always, by your two favorite Blazer aficionados. That's Agent Double Eleven, Tyler Bagenstas, and KG, the big ticket, it's Kyle George. And on this beautiful Sunday afternoon, we are literally in the backyard, not in Spud Studios like normal, but in the home of Spud Studios, Tyler Baggestaw's house, and we are staying socially distant, six feet apart, recording outside to take away that breathing on each other type atmosphere amidst all this uh, COVID-19 concern, and we are taking that very seriously, but still want to give you some great content, and as we mentioned, the way we think to do so during this brief pause in the NBA, fellas, is continue on with that Reliving Rip City today we're going to be looking at the 2000 Western Conference Finals, a series that lives on in the heart of Blazer fans, whether it be with immense passion, more likely pain. Um, This series brings back a lot of nightmares, but as we rewatch, I think you can both agree, uh, it also provided a lot of fun memories and a lot of intensity. One of the best series in Rip City history, despite the outcome. But before we dive into that, Tyler and Kyle, I want to set the table a little bit about where Portland was. As we mentioned, this is the year 2000, so You know, for us, we're about four, five, six years old, and a lot of us, our memories aren't super sharp at that age. I mean, I know mine is, but for you two, you can't say the same. Um, (laughs) Hard to remember a lot of the details from that time, so we did rely heavily on our video footage in terms of our research yep. for this episode, thank you, YouTube. Thank you, YouTube. Yeah. The Blazers. Let's let's catch you up on how the season prior finished. Ninety-eight, ninety-nine season was a lockout season for the NBA, as you might remember. Only about fifty games played. The Blazers finished thirty-five and fifteen, nabbing a Pacific uh, Conference division title. Yep. And I, I believe they finished. Second or third in the West, but behind the San Antonio Spurs, as you'll remember, Tim Duncan, David Robinson come and sweep the Blazers in the Western Conference Finals. Again, a very lockout-shortened season. Rookie Tim Duncan absolutely dominates the Blazers, leading to a a sweep in 98-99, but then in 2000. Kyle, I want to give it to you here. The roster changes a little bit, but that little bit seems to make a huge difference.
2: Absolutely huge difference. Uh, we see a little bit different, or actually a lot of the same guys from the previous year, but we have two two huge acquisitions huge. in the offseason. One of them being Steve Smith from Atlanta ends up being our starting shooting guard, Mr. Ole Reliable from three-point range. Yep. And then of For course, real. we get Scotty Pippen Scottie. from Houston.
0: <laughs> oh oh my God.
2: Love that. This roster is just fantastic. As we, So Scotty ends up being our starting small forward, and then we got our Arvidas in the middle, just Mr. Mr. Big Man. Yes. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> we all love. have, we, a, we at Rip City
1: we're... might have started that rumor around, like, Arvidas would have been the best NBA center of all time if he came over at the right time. Yep. We loved him so much. I think we started that, I, honestly. I
2: also think there's just factual, Connor. I
1: don't, <laughs> exactly. I <don't> know. <laughs> thank you, Kyle.
2: Uh, anyway, rounding out the starting lineup, we have Damon Stoudemire at the point guard, just a Rip City legend. Mighty and Mouse. Mouse. Mighty Mouse. and then. Of course, you got Rashid Wallace at the power forward position. We all know about Rashid, just another Blazer legend. A lot of Blazer legends on this team you'll find. Yep. And then coming off the bench, we got Detlef Schrempf, Bonzi Wells, Brian Grant, Greg Anthony, a young Jermaine O'Neal. Yes. So a pretty a pretty you no, know, not the deepest bench, but you know some talent down there for sure, especially in their younger years.
3: Yep, raw yeah. talent. Absolutely. And the way that team played together was definitely a lot different than we see uh, these days, more slow-paced. So this 1999 2000 Blazers team was 25th out of 29th in pace of play. They were fifth of 29th in defensive rating, which we're not really used to as Blazers fans. Pretty good defensive team, and then third of 29 out of 29 um, offensive rating. And uh, also a quick little note: uh, per Basketball Reference, our preseason odds to win the championship were plus 350. For all of our gambling friends out there, you know we would have hammered it today. <laughs> Those we are been. plus 350 with the. Uh, a young but just exciting Blazer team that we really had hopes for. I would have loved to place all my money on that. But anyway, we the Blazers that season ended up um, what were they, second in the Pacific Division, third seed in the West, um, won the first round 3-1 to one versus the Minnesota Timberwolves, then advanced to the conference semifinals, which we ended up winning 4-1, to one. so really kind of taking care of business in those first two rounds, and then Connor, this is where we land the Western Conference Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. It goes seven games. That's exactly right.
1: Think? That's exactly right, Ty. So, that brings us up to the Western Conference Finals. We're squaring off against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and with Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant leading that squad, along with Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, and uh, uh, was it Glenn Robinson, Kyle? Glenn Rice. Glenn, Glenn Rice, Rice. Sorry, yeah. thank you. Um, Robert the, Ory. Robert Ory. I mean, the, the names are we're very familiar with. That Lakers dynasty was something um, to behold. But Portland... Went with the strategy at the time. I was reading a little bit. GM was basically saying, "I don't care about off the court issues. I just want the most talented players I can assemble here in Portland." Um, a strategy that I think you see a little less of today, as this really started that Jail Blazers era that PDX natives or PDX, you know, Blazer basketball lovers um, love to go back as to. Blazer
3: fans love it. Love it. Ooh, you, you gotta love, love the Jail
1: Blazers. It's a soft spot in your heart, and this series is a big reason why. So, without further ado, let's jump into Portland versus LA the 2000 Western Conference Finals. This one's going to be fun.
0: We've had Hackashack. He shot 20, what, five free throws in the fourth quarter, 27 for the game. The Lakers go up 1-0, and game two, Portland must win.
1: So heading into game one, it seemed like the NBA landscape had an unspoken agreement that the los angeles lakers were public enemy number one and that was mostly in part to how damn good they were as we mentioned 67 and 15 this season um just shy of the pace of the best record in the nba i mean in nba history excuse me and and you could feel it heading into game one blazers playing in la uh one shaquille O'Neal yes. took control early, tie and dominated this yep. one. What do you have to say about Shaq when you were looking at your YouTube highlights?
3: Um, just phenom. Uh- special talent. I mean, I don't know if it was just his size, but Shaq was about the same height as Arvidas. I wasn't like, oh, we were kind of undermatched there. But it didn't matter. His body, his like his strength. His speed, too. You, they, we were fronting him. They'd throw it over the top. They'd throw it. If we're just guarding him normal, throw it down, bank off the glass. His presence alone, like allowing the double. he meant He was so much more to the Lakers than just their big man down low, but just... Everything he brought to the table, able to dish, I mean, it's just insane his talent then he's he's a cheat code. He's a cheat code.
1: He was. And and Kyle, you could really see Arvidus' age, I think, in this one because as Tyler mentioned, it wasn't like we were outsized, like Arvidas may even actually Arvidas be a bigger a human, yeah. Um, but Shaq was just so agile at that at this point of yep. his career. I mean, the way he was making Arvidas seem like he was six four instead of seven two, it was incredible to me. What, right. what did you, it's Well,
2: Zion-esque, some would say. Oh well, yeah. I mean, you could say. I mean, Zion is more shaq esque I guess you yeah, could say. Yeah, that's but, fair. Um, <laughs> that's no. It, 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 and and Tyler part. Tyler said it best. It, it really was. It wasn't even a fair matchup, especially when you factor in you know Shaq's abilities with the fadeaway ju- with the fadeaway hook shots. And the and the turnaround fadeaways that he was hitting. It's like, okay, if he's if you're gonna front him, they're just gonna alley oop it over the top. If yep. you're not gonna front him, he's just gonna be taking these, you know, these baby hook shots and yep. you can't Off stop it. Especially you can't expect a guy like Arvidas who's that big, you know, no one can block that shot is kind of the bottom line. And it really Tyler said it best, it's a, it's a cheat code.
3: And in game one he had forty one points, eleven rebounds, and that was and he shot assists he, yeah and he shot 27 free throws that game i think we implemented the hack of shack a little bit this first game he ended up shooting 13 of 27 um kind of got lucky there because there was other games where he was better than that but just a, just a yeah. freak
2: not to mention five blocks two fouls so right. if you're not getting shack and foul trouble he was able to play 46 minutes this game
1: right <laughs> and 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 Obviously, I'm not breaking any news here, but it was a much different style of play in the NBA back in 2000. And so like you both said, calling him a cheat code, having someone you can just dump the ball down to who can bully every and anyone in his path is something you don't see uh, very often, especially nowadays. On the Blazers' side of the ball offensively, it was a very obvious strategy early on. That was feed the ball to Rasheed Wallace. Yes. Now, Rasheed, of course, a Blazer legend. That's already been said. Also frustrating at times, Kyle. And this yes. was a game where frustrating Rasheed came out because he came out of the gates dominating. I think he had about 15, maybe 17 in the first quarter, no. uh, first can I repeat? Yeah, I correct please you? correct We me, want to be please. correct. He had 11 points. 11 points. And yeah. then, Kyle, he gets a little frustrated with the officiating. While he's on the bench, Typical. he actually gets yeah, sure. his first technical from Ron that's Sitting that leads, on the bench. Uh, sitting yeah. on the bench, literally on the floor, looking like Steve Nash loosening his back, gets a technical. Kyle, this sets up one of the most famous technicals, not in Blazer history, but in NBA history, and maybe the most famous ejection that didn't result from a fight. <laughs> right. Go you know, no, ahead. Walk us it, through. No, it's it. very
2: true. It basically, it's, that's exactly how it played out. You know, Sheed picks up his third foul, gets sent to the bench. He's sitting on the floor, picks up a technical foul, and then gets back into the game and doesn't a risky get move by a, Coach. A, Mike yeah, Dunleavy. it really is. Doesn't get a tech for saying anything to the ref. Rather, he just stares at the ref, and the ref decides to team up. Second technical foul, gets ejected. Uh, obviously, like I respect Sheed. I know he's a Blazer legend. I look back on this and. I just I think I just would have been so frustrated if he was one of our best players when I was in like high school college when I was more aware about what was happening because he was clearly so talented such a great player you know glorious mid range shot could just beast you in the post all day every day but just to to have it's not I don't want to say selfish but it is a little bit selfish attitude to where it's like you know you're on thin ice right the ref has warned you multiple times you already have one tech in the game this is game one of the Western Conference Finals this is a big deal we're on the road we need you and you have a 11 points and it's only the second quarter and you go and I understand you didn't say anything but you still did something that is not going to make the ref happy yep. it's just it's just one of those things that I find very frustrating and I think if I was a an older fan at the time I I just would have lost my shit I would have been so upset
3: absolutely yeah. go ahead I mean time. just a classic move from the Blazers too. game one he only ends up playing 16 minutes 26 seconds I mean it could change the whole series and i think it probably did so it was tough to see she'd obviously unreal talent but when you come in game one hot you're one of the best players on your team you owe it to your teammates it was a selfish move no one's denying that he has incredible talent but you you get ejected in the second quarter of the western conference finals you just can't have that
1: and, and let's go ahead and insert that audio right here
0: it had been building up to this Rashid wallace has been tossed listen to ron garrettson he'll explain the reason why
2: Time
3: out LA Whack, get out he didn't say Get away from me Steve Get away from me Steve he didn't, he didn't say a word Technical foul, Wallace, he's gone No, not right I asked him three times to stop the at me.
1: Official Ron Gerritsen with an all-time call right there. First, the whack, get out. <laughs> I mean, just Rasheed has not said anything, like you said, Kyle. And he just looks at mean, They're staring at each other. And Ron Gerritsen, it takes three, four, five seconds. He's just like, nope, that's it. Whack, get out. And then Steve Smith, you know, kind of the team captain, comes over and says, Ron, he didn't even say anything. Ron, he <laughs> didn't. Steve, he was trying to intimidate me. I told him all (laughs) the game to stop. He was trying to intimidate me. Being a bully. (laughs) He's being a bully, exactly. So just some classic audio there and an all-time ejection from Rashid. But you're both right. It definitely felt like it had an impact on the series, at least as a Blazer fan, I'm imagining at that time. Five-year-old Khan might have been okay with it pissing in his diaper, but... 24-year-old Con would have definitely yeah. been a little well, more frustrated I, with the behavior. I
2: also, I, Ty, that was a great point that, you know, preparing for this podcast, I didn't really think about, you know, obviously we're going to get to this point. We do go to seven games in this series, and yes. it's like it, it, when we get to game two here, you're going to see that this really could have been the difference in the series. I and, mean, uh, that you may literally be a hot take, but it very well could have been.
3: Literally shot yourself in the foot like 15 minutes into right. the game. You yeah. started
2: the game with 11 points, and it's only the second quarter. Like, you could have, this could have been a 30-point night for him. Don't so get me started, Con.
1: <laughs> to your guys' point, let's listen in to how game two fared much differently with sheet in the lineup.
0: And we are even in the Western Conference Finals 1-1. Home court has switched, in this series has been turned upside down. Los Angeles with their 29-point loss.
1: The worst home playoff loss since they moved to Los Angeles from Minneapolis. Game 2 results in a shocking blowout win for the Blazers in L.A. And, Tyler, we're getting into this at the end of our Game 1 segment there. The Blazers have a real jackal and hide image about them in the 2000s, kind of this early jail Blazers era where one game, they look like they are the odds-on favorite for the NBA title. You mentioned that plus 350 money line for our yep. gambling friends out there. That's not too bad. That no. means you're a legitimate contender for the title to start the season, if yep. not the second or third front frontrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, but here – we get kind of one of those great games following a bad game. The Blazers get routed in game one. Obviously, Rashid wasn't a part of that full matchup. And then in game two, they win 106-77 mm-hmm. against, again, Kobe and Shaq. That didn't happen often, especially early in that era. Yep. Can you break down a little bit of kind of what you noticed in these highlights? Yeah,
3: and like Kyle noted at the beginning, we added two key pieces to our team in Steve Smith and Scottie Pippen, who played major minutes, starting guys, and... Really, this was our first year to start gelling together, and I don't know if the chemistry wasn't all there, or if it was just the volatility of all the players on our team, being the jailblazers Blazers, like guys Bonzi Wells, Rasheed Wallace, and I. Th- and I think um, as the Portland Trail Blazers, we looked at Rasheed Wallace, maybe as the players looked for Sheed to be that leader, looked for them to carry them on a nightly basis, come in with. Um, scoring big points and you've seen that in game two where one day we can look like odds-on favorite championship team and then the next day not have it not have the right communication not be the right spots and just kind of fall flat it kind of feels flat like there's no energy so after watching just brief games on YouTube what we kind of came to as a group was one day looks like a championship team no one could beat us the next day we fall flat I don't know what you guys think about that.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's well said. And, and a big portion of this, of course, we mentioned earlier, the strategy from the GM at the time was to build a winner with the most talented on-court players he could find without worrying about kind of those off-court personalities. And you see those off-court personalities, to Tyler's point, catch up to us throughout the season. But Kyle, one of our big acquisitions in the offseason was Scottie Pippen, and you had mentioned that, along with Steve Smith. Those are both kind of... Definitely not journeymen because they're very respected players, and Scotty Pippen's a top 50 player of all time, but they're their culture institute. They're like Damian Lillard. They bring culture with them and they, they put it into the franchise, and I think we noticed that this year. What what are your thoughts on what Scotty and Steve brought to a jailblazers roster that was struggling with consistency, as Tyler mentioned?
2: Well, I think when you bring in a guy like Scotty Pippen, a six time champion with the Chicago Bulls, it's you know you're bringing in a guy that has been there done that on a on a very talented roster and to con- like you mentioned Connor maybe not the most not the best like chemistry because we're just trying to bring in the most talent at the time. But you bring in a guy like Pippen, you're going to have a leader who's going to you know let every, he's going to set the tone. Be like, this is what we need to do to get to this point. Which obviously the goal was to win a championship. So having a six time champion on your team is going to make a huge difference. And Scotty was able to do that on the offensive side and defensive side of the ball. One of the best two way players of all time. And then a guy like Steve Smith, a guy who's you know three point shooter is also going to be a, a great leader to have a veteran a veteran guy. Um, I think those two guys. Having on like having them on your team when you have young guys like a young Rashid, a young Damon Stoudemire, very talented players. They were volatile kind of the, talent, right? The volatile <laughs> talent, but they were probably the guys that were able to almost be the glue for the team, be like keeping everyone humbled. And despite the fact that we would lose our cool every once in a while, and emotionally our emotions would get the better of us. To Tyler's point, I think having those two guys were you know the 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 foundation, I guess, of our team, and obviously huge acquisitions. And when they're playing their best, it showed in game two where we. Pretty much dominated them the entire game,
1: right? And, and I think you see a lot of that veteran leadership continue on in Game Three, despite it being a very, very painful loss. Let's take a listen into how that final sounded.
0: Hippen into the lane on Bryant to tie it! again. Head of the key to the side for Harper, who's wide open. Ron Harper. All right, here's Stoudemire. Seven seconds, Stoudemire out to Sabonis, the fake on Shaq, into the lane, ball knocked away, no foul, Bryant's got it, and the game belongs to the Lakers.
1: As you just heard there, Game 3, an absolute slobber knocker, as was this whole series, but Tyler... I want knocker. <laughs> no, I love that. I can't, I can't let that slide, man. <laughs> Shout out Jim Ross and the WWE Monday Night Raw. Uh, so this game, Lakers win 93-91. And, and Kyle, it's really the first time we saw Shaq and Kobe, that combo, in this series at least, come to life. They really dominated this one. What was your takeaway watching that combo kind of work together and what Portland... Attempted to do, or even could try to do, with two talents like those two. Oh
2: yeah, it, it's nearly impossible to stop when they're on fire. But <laughs> literally, uh, impossible. yeah, pretty much impossible. But in the, in this game in particular, you really saw a sign of the times that come with Kobe Bryant, especially early on. Kobe really took over the first quarter, had 14 points. And to your point, or to your question about how can we defend it, you couldn't really because it was those. <laughs> it was a lot of those classic Kobe fadeaways, where it's just like, right. yeah, you're not Steve Smith his grill, and, yeah, or y- Scotty or whoever. Right. You know? it, we we actually like. Even on Shaq, we played fairly good defense as far as getting a body there, but it's like, like you know, as a that's, coach, how can you get mad? You can't. Exactly, you can't. You put yourself yeah. in a position to, you know, defend them. But if they're going to be the superstars that they are, at the, at some point, it's like you, you put your hands up and you're like, all right, they be, they beat put us in that your day. hole. My <laughs> bad, coach. <laughs> it's not even your bad. Using it's like, your sorry, knee to kind of
1: do using <laughs> your knee to kind of leverage a post up on defense doesn't really work when the guy posting you up is three forty and can jump two feet higher than you like Shaq. Exactly. Um, But Ty, we also noticed in this one, along with Shaq and Kobe, you know, Uh kind of their Combo coming to yep. light. Kyle mentioned there a lot of classic Kobe fadeaways, a lot of Shaq post ups, yep. Blazers as well. This game, the style and pace, so much different than what we see today. Yep. What was your takeaway, kind of about the half court offense, yep. the defense you were noting in Game Three? I
3: mean, it, as, it, long, exactly as long exactly what you said. It, it this day and age, the 1999 2000 season was half court offense. You have a guy like Shaq and Kobe. You go down, you, you pretty much give Kobe the ball, Shack it on the block. You toss it into Shaq. If he doesn't like it, back out to Kobe and just back and forth, back and forth. And you not only with the Lakers, you see the same thing with the Blazers. We were doing the same thing with Sheed. Feed the ball to Sheed. If you, and it, it's a inside-out game, in and out. Right. And rather than today, it's outside to in. And after watching all these games, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way, we kind of understand where some of these – Previous stars like the Shaqs and the Charles Barkleys, the Scottie Pippins, are—I I, think—they're annoyed, kind of. I don't know. Or th- I think—I I think they
1: view the game as softer, for sure, and yep. a little less like a little prettier, but not better, not a better brand yep. of basketball. And, yeah. and like you're getting at, you notice it with this series. These guys are hacking, and, each and other. they
3: have a legitimate argument when they're talking about, "Oh, we would take that team, no problem." Like when Shaq and Co when they compare the Shaq and Kobe team to the to the Warriors team that went, you know, 180 or 71 games or whatever. It's a tough matchup because how do you how are you able to compare those teams when they're complete opposites? It's which style works best and I don't know, it would but it'd be interesting to see. It would be super interesting to see one one of the more fun things I feel like to watch, but
2: Yeah, I know. I I agree because i I almost view that, like after watching all these games, uh we kind of alluded to it before we started this podcast, but it's almost from a fan's perspective, from my perspective, I found the style of basketball to be more almost more entertaining absolutely because I I love watching the half court offense and watching guys go to work in the paint and now it's like it's not that I don't like watching basketball nowadays obviously I love it but it's it's very different and it is something that like I almost enjoy the the more the team aspect and the offense aspect rather than just you know hucking the the first three-pointer that comes in like I I get that's entertaining in of itself but it's almost like I appreciate the the game more it it was, you, it was played ahead, more sorry. with
1: rhythm and flow right. rather than yes. data, whereas now it's played a lot That's more what with I'm looking the data. For. Yeah. Yeah. A- and, and you know
3: one person who could definitely not play in this era? James Harden. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, That either <laughs> uh, fresh
1: off our 2014 Houston Blazer matchup. I expect comments <laughs> like that. Welcome. I love that, time. Yep. Uh, bringing over some of last week's episode. Check that out now, Apple Podcasts. But, Backyard I mean, Blazers.
3: the referee dif- differential from back then to now is just it's crazy. It's the same thing. So it's so physical. It's, the whistle
1: is definitely less uh, apparent yes. in those old school games than it is today. Today. And um, Kyle and Tyler, both to your points there, the physicality ramped way up back in 2000, and you saw this leading to much chippier series, in my opinion, and this was no exception here. In this Game 3 especially, late, kind of third quarter, you see Scottie Pippen. Um, Kyle, I want to go to you here. You mentioned how Scottie brought some of the, you know, when you win six championships, sure, off-the-court personalities, you might not be able to fix that, but on the court, you know how to act, you know how to win, and you know how to compose yourself um, in these big moments. Scottie Pippen shows us that when he takes no shit from Rick Fox. I think late in the Third, Rick Fox kind of gets in his grill after a whistle. Scotty gives him a nice two-handed shove. I mean, sends him a couple steps back. And then what does he do to him in the fourth?
2: He does Scotty things. Things that, uh, <laughs> things that I didn't know... That Scotty, like, obviously, doing, I didn't you know, know to well, that I, point sorry, still. sorry, I knew, I, I I want to say this correctly, I knew he was capable of doing those things, but, like, the Scotty Pippen that I remember from my young days being on the Blazers, it obviously wasn't, you know, the Scotty Pippen of the Bulls, it wasn't the same prime time Scotty Pippen, but was still a very, very skilled and talented player, and re-watching this, especially after that Rick Fox moment that Connor brought up, you saw that Scotty can still, like, probably still a top 20 player You're in the league, underselling and, him. and you, I, was an, I, I was, I was too, I was with, I, so we, I, I think know, we I'm all were that. and like he showed in this game that he is still one of the best players in the league and can still take over game because right off that Rick Fox altercation he it was Scotty time he was hitting threes he was getting the ball in the post and backing him down it was it was fantastic I forget to, to mention the defense oh and his defense uh, dude his defense is probably always our there. best defensive yeah. player at that point uh, probably yeah and it, it's just so fun to to know that we had like a legend like that on our team and
1: I, I think to give ourselves a break and The reason we kind of thought of Scotty as less than what he was when we rewatched at our current age is back then, I think you heard a lot of, you know, maybe our parents or other Blazer fans of the older generation saying, oh, Scotty's great, but he's just not what he used to be. Well, what he used to be was a top 50 player of all time. Mm -hmm. And then at his current time when he was playing with the Bulls, probably a top 10 player in the league. Mm -hmm. So getting a little less version of that. Like you mentioned, still probably a top 20 player, and it showed. Rewatch some of those Scotty Portland highlights. He was fantastic. Um, But this game came down to the wire. Lakers win this one by two, Ty. And the star is Ron Harper of all people. We talk about Shaq and Kobe all game long, and of course it's Ron Harper bearing a deep two from the left corner, putting the Lakers up 93-91. Blazers still have an opportunity with about 30 seconds left, I believe. They come down, turn the ball over immediately, but then... Rather than fouling, this is a little bit old school basketball to me. They instead of fouling, they play it out and in the next eight second frenzy are able to poke the ball away yet again. Blazers get one more possession, thirteen seconds ticking down on the clock. Yep. Break us down that final yep. possession to tie the game here. And
3: that defensive possession that you were just talking about, it was Scotty P who poked it away. And he had been feeling it since what had Kyle mentioned when uh, who was the guy uh, Rick Fox, oh, Rick Rick Fox. Fox yeah, got yeah. in his grill. So we come down, we got about eight seconds left. Damon Stodemeyer drives, kicks it to our And Arvidas has about six, seven seconds to kind of make a decision. Does he either drive to the basket or kick the ball? And while watching this possession over again, Scottie Pippen was at the top of the three-point line. He kind of gave a jab step in and out, like clapping once the ball. Arvidas doesn't hear him or see him, whatever the case may be. He drives to his left, kind of gives a little pump, or it's like a double clutch shot. And out of nowhere, Kobe Bryant, that son of a bitch. <laughs> he comes it's and blocks. Yeah. RIP, love him, but blocks. Son of a bitch. But Son of a bitch. <laughs> he, he blocks Arvidas. He what he did. Does he, he, he doesn't only make clutch offensive plays, but he's just a clutch player in general. He comes from the side, comes off of Damon Stoudemire, blocks Arvidas, and that's game. Yeah, it, it, was,
2: it was very frustrating because, don't get me wrong, like I'm very happy that Arvidas was like, oh, I got the ball you know, I kind of have, like, that decision where it's like, am I going to be the one to take the shot? But I I, I fast forward, or I, I go back in time to when he first got the ball and he had Scotty at the top of the key. Like, Scotty was the hot hand. Uh-huh. It's like, you got to wonder, man. And, like, it,
3: and in basketball in general, it could be playground basketball, high school, college, NBA, Don't matter what it is. Whoever's got the hot hand, you give that guy the you ball. You got to give it to and, him. And, and you know you you find that person. It doesn't matter what time of the clock it is. And Scotty was that guy, and it was unfortunate that Arvidas didn't find him.
1: Yeah, and it, you know, rewatching it on my end, the, the one thing I saw was it seemed like Arvidas maybe thought the clock was running down a little more uh-huh. than it was because right. yeah. he shot hectic. the ball with about. Yeah. It is hectic, and he made a good move, got to a spot where he's made a lot of jump shots or or weird shots. You know, he always. If he shots. had a clean look there, I think he, a very good yeah. chance right. to go in, but. I agree with you both scotty Pippen's probably the right move the there probably, probably
2: because it wasn't shown on the broadcast you know like right. getting back to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly exactly. <laughs> exactly
1: so the blazers go down 2-1 in the series um and, and things are looking very grim here's the audio from game four it doesn't improve much
0: and the lakers walk off with a 3-1 edge in the series with 25 points, but most remarkably, 9 of 9 from the free throw line.
1: Game 4 goes into the books as an ass whooping for the Blazers, and in Portland nonetheless, fellas, this was a real example of this Lakers dynasty at full power. I mean, the Blazers came out, sure they didn't play their best game, but I don't think they, I mean, I don't think they looked horrible on the other side of things, L. A. just dominant. Uh, Kyle, want to go with you here first? Sure, she puts up thirty four and thirteen. But as I mentioned, this one wasn't a close. It wasn't that close, and it was a full team effort from L. A. What what did you notice about Game Four?
2: Well, honestly, like after watching that game and watching the the YouTube clips that we watched, it's it it was just it felt so demoralizing. And as a Blazer fan, yes, I would have been. <laughs> I would have I would have thought the series was hundred percent over at that point. It's like yep. you it's kind of a backward series in general. It's like he like Portland takes one on the road and it's like, Oh, okay, like we feel like we're in pretty good situations. Sh- it's like no, get, just just too. win your games at home right here and we're feeling good. But no, it's you drop two games at home. It's like I can't imagine, like as a fan at that point, you had to have been feeling like, Oh well, this yep. season's over. And, and th- coming off
3: a game three loss that was tight, a lot of energy, I lost a two point game at home and you gotta come back uh, two days later, gather up the energy. Um, to, th- to face off against to, to face off against <laughs> another Lakers team that's dominant, where you got to be playing your best ball, like everything's got to be clicking, and it just wasn't there that night. The Lakers shot thirty three of thirty four from the line that night. Ooh man! Um, as well as just an overall dominant performance from their team, just well spread out, not one person um, necessarily taking over, but just passing the ball around, getting good shots. Where us was give the ball the sheet. Get us a bucket, and hopefully that's he'll ride us to victory lane. But right, it was a it was a classic game of they're just so much better than us. (laughs) And that
1: you know, looking back, if we're gonna take a real honest moment here, and and it's about enough of the L.A. praise, but you literally as an opponent team had to play perfect against LA to even squeak out a win. So the fact that the Blazers had grabbed one already felt like somewhat of a victory when I researched kind of the NBA landscape at this point. Fans were predicting a sweep. I mean, not Blazer fans, but NBA fans were predicting a sweep. Go ahead, Ty. Yeah,
3: and one... One thing to know about the Blazer team: This was the one game. I don't know if it, it obviously wasn't much of a game changer, but Detlef Schremp, usually playing the most minutes off our bench, did not play this game. Not sure why. I don't know if he had a nagging injury. I didn't really do a, I, I guess didn't enough watch research. The full yeah. Game yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but he didn't play this game, so that's something to think about going into Game 5.
1: And as funny as it is when you look up Detlef Shrimp and see the picture, he was actually a very Stun. effective bench player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, He's mean, like, he uh, was, Joe he how, like Joe Ingles. He is like Joe Ingles. It's a great comparison. We won't go too long on this, but I just have to say, rewatching all seven games, shout out Detlef Shrimp because although that guy kind of moves in a really boring fashion, every pass he makes, every shot he takes, very effective and with a purpose. I was really impressed by Detlef yep. Shrimp. Okay, Blazers, and what a great name. And what a great name. So, blazers fall to 3-1 in the series to this point in nba history no one had come back from a 3-1 series deficit in the nba playoffs in any round um and that sets the table for game five and the sign of things to come that's
0: it that's smith rebound the question was going to be were they going to drag la with them the answer is yes perhaps unexpectedly yes unexpected in many quarters but that's the case Something else to keep in mind, if Portland can win at home on Friday, and that is a very big if because the Lakers have won the last three games they played at the Rose Garden, but if somehow they get it back here, Portland knows they can win on this floor. They've won two of the three games in this series on this floor.
1: Blazers heading to L.A. now for Game 5, and, and I think it's safe to say, even re-watching this, knowing the outcome, knowing how many games it went, I was preparing for the Blazers to kind of go and get whooped and turn around and wrap up a great 2000 season, right? Yep. yep. Not the case, though. Portland comes out and steps up, grabs a shocking win in L.A., their second win on the road so far, 96-88. to A big reason for that is two names we've really focused on this podcast for good, good reason. Scotty Pippen. Rashid Wallace, yep. absolutely, not only bring the productivity, bring the energy, playing forty-five minutes a piece. And Tyler, they're yep. truly the heart and soul of this team. Obviously, we love talking about guys like Wesley Matthews, who may not be the best player overall, but definitely bring the culture with them. Yep. In this case, I think the Blazers' best players brought the culture and toughness. Uh-huh.
3: And I think this was more of a Scottie Pippen game, as yes, they both, Rashid Wallace and Scottie Pippen had 22 points respectively, but Scottie also came with six six rebounds, three assists, six steals, and Boom. four blocks. So just an all-around game, kind of leading the team, showing them I'm here to play, let's go and get this dub. It was a must win for the Blazers, and he came out and showed out, and that's what you expect from a guy like Scottie P.
1: Absolutely, and, and Kyle, I know you've talked about Scottie Pippen a lot already, so I'm going to switch you up here. Blazers also receive a pretty effective game from Arvidas Sabonis. Obviously, probably didn't outduel Shaq by any means, but Arvidas puts up, I think, twelve points, six boards in this game. Those stats may not stick out to you, but when you're playing against the generational center that Shaq is, that's actually pretty decent and it seemed to open the Blazers offense. Did you have any points well, out of what you noticed from game five? No,
2: you hit on the key stats, but one more that to point out is plus seven, where it's like if you're if you're plus on Shaq that's got to be. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's a good game. That's a great stat. That's, that's a that's good great game. Find and by you. I'm, I know we. I'm usually not the biggest plus minus guy. I I bring. I look at it as like a, a metric. If anything else, as like a comparing for comparison factors. Yep. But plus seven against Shaq is pretty good. But one thing that we didn't point out is that Tyler brought it up in Game Four. Uh, Detlas Shrimp did not play. Plays this game. Brings nine points off the bench. Yep. Could have been a, a huge factor for Portland in this nine, game. Nine,
3: five, and six. So that's a game, dude. Doing everything. I
1: told yeah. like every time I watch these highlights, I'm like, "Deadlift shrimp is damn effective." Yep. I mean, this guy knows how to play basketball. And then
3: we got to hit on Shaq real quick because yeah, we ended up winning this game, but he still went and got his 31 points and 21 rebounds. I don't know how uh, Arvidas ended up with a plus seven yeah, efficiency I don't rating. Dude, you're really <laughs> not making our points look. <laughs> not, you know, no, the is, guy is a big beat. All yeah. I know is he had plus seven, Tyler. All right, yeah, that's, 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 all I know. that's all I know. And, and
2: know all too. I
1: know is the Blazers won by plus eight, Tyler. So <laughs> how about you suck on that? I will. Um, Portland bring a series 2-3 to three here and, and I, like I mentioned off the top a shocking win um, but I think more key than the win itself is the fact that now game 6 comes back to Portland and the Portland fans had been in a frenzy you'll hear it here in the final
0: Pippen a meaningless 3 but one of the more meaningful wins in Blazer history is now in the books they led by 10 at the half they win by 10. 103-93. Steve Smith had 26. Bonzi Wells had 20. 14 of them came in the fourth quarter. Rasheed Wallace had 18. Arvidas Sabonis, 10 points, 9 rebounds, a half dozen assists. Kobe Bryant led the Lakers with 33, but Jack was held to 17. And Scotty Pippen. So
1: the Blazers return to Portland down 2 to 3 looking to become the first team ever to come back from that 3 to 1 series deficit and they take another step closer you just heard it there a 103-93 win in Portland the fans play a key factor but of course Tyler yep. the players always make the biggest impact yes they do who who made that impact this game
3: I say the biggest impact for the Blazers this game was from Bonzi Wells off the bench bringing 20 points um,
1: That's a name I'm so goddamn <laughs> it's happy nice to, to hear. Argue, yeah. It's nice to hear. He's and a very controversial Legend. figure, but shout out Bonzi freaking and this year Wells. He was a bit younger.
3: I'm not. Sh- I believe like second or third year in the league. Yeah, still kind of trying to find his place. Being able to put up 20 points in a must-win game at home, where it meant so much, was. Getting 20 points off the bench, huge in any game, but especially this one, giving a little relief to our starters because Scotty, he only had nine this game, but bringing it on the defensive end. Uh, Steve Smith being a sniper from downtown. Arvidas having a double-double, 10 and 11, also bringing six assists. We all, we know he has that passing ability. Um, it was more of a team effort to combat the combo that was Shaq and Kobe, and, of course, Kobe put up his game high – or. Thirty three. Thirty three series, yeah. series, series high this high. game, thirty three points. Um just a good all around win from the Blazers, one we had to go out and get and behind the help of the fans.
2: For sure. And I think that you you led me perfect, Ty. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> I think the just rewatching this game, we all were in agreement that it was awesome to see that the the culture in Rip City, as far as our fandom goes, is, is pretty much the exact same. When you look back and watch these games, the fans standing on their feet in the third quarter for every little play, you know, every little difference maker. Third yeah, third yeah. quarter, exactly. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not just saying the end of the game, and it's in going to playoff games. Now it's no different. You know, everyone is on their feet all the time. The Rip City faithful. We are a special place to have a basketball team, and I, I think our our culture that's been established in our fans is something that's almost unmatched across the league.
1: I I couldn't agree more. When I was rewatching the the Game 6, especially in Portland, it was like every made shot in the fourth quarter, Portland leading the whole time. Still, every made shot. I swear it felt like the Rose Garden crowd was going to storm the court. It felt Mm -hmm. like we had just won the NBA
3: Finals with every ball that went through the hoop. And Uh, one other thing to note, kind of watching these games back remember everyone remembers the old NBC logo with the with the um, like looks like a turkey yeah, a little yes. bit yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, w- the, su- peacock. Su- the peacock the peacock uh, yeah that's right. one of the greatest logos out there just brings back good memories from a childhood um just, just so awesome. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> no, I agree.
1: I get what you're saying. It definitely rewatching this, you're put back into kind of that NBA Jam era. We were exactly. kind of like, oh man, oh shit, this is some good old school basketball. And you know, another way that the Blazers were able to kind of adopt that old school mentality was we've mentioned they had a lot of. Um, Personalities on their team, let's call them, off the court. But what they also possessed was a lot of toughness on the court. These guys were very skilled on-the-court players, and despite what they were battling issues in their personal lives, they always came with the toughness. Sure, some games we were talking, they looked like NBA champions. Some teams, games they looked like lottery picks. But when it came playoff time, the Portland Trailblazers feared no one. And when you're facing off against Kobe and Shaq, that's a key. And you see it in Game 6 here. Already down 3-1 in the series, they respond in L.A. Game 5. That's some extreme toughness then that feels like almost winning the lottery, getting that Game 5 victory. Game 6, they come home, and they win by more? They win by 10 double digits? Incredible. Yeah, it,
2: and, to, and to bring this back into our last episode, Connor, we kind of talked about the same thing with the with the Rocket series that we had, where it was Portland goes on the road, steals two. We drop Game 3, and it's like you have that same thing where it's like, okay, we got to win Game 4. And it was that same back and forth as far as like location, where in, in certain teams, and it felt like in particular with this team, location did not matter. And that right. was... And And as fans, it always matters, but with this team and their mental toughness, it did not matter if we were on the road. They were going to come and play hard every single game, and I think that's a lot of the reason why they had such success in this series.
1: And Kyle, you mentioned kind of how the fans always feel that pressure. I think this is why, you know, certain Blazers teams certainly stick out in our memory. That starting lineup we talked about last week, Rolo-Rolo. Wes, Batum, Aldridge, Dame, and then this starting lineup as well, the Jail Blazers, uh, kind of that era, Rashid, Steve Smith, Damon Stoudemire, Scottie Pippen, and Arvidas Sabonis. Those are guys where, as fans, you're intimidated going into a game, but they sure as hell are not. And that's something special, and I think, um, not saying other teams are intimidated, but to have those kind of special units where they just overcome it as a group and their chemistry overcomes the moment, even when as a fan, you don't believe maybe it can Um, deep down in your heart of hearts. I think that's kind of how these guys emblemize Rip City and why they stick out in our history. Okay, this led to probably a peak excitement moment until Damian Lillard joins the franchise. Blazers, Lakers, Game 7, 2000 Western Conference Finals, a chance, an opportunity for a chance to the NBA Finals on the line in L.A., Let's dive into it.
0: That's it. I'm not sure if the Lakers won as much as they escaped, but they showed heart, down 16. A huge comeback in the fourth quarter.
1: So the Blazers fly down to L.A. for the infamous Game 7, and you know what? They come out hot. Blazers obviously motivated, looking to become the first team to complete the 3-1 series comeback in the NBA, and it looks like they're going to do it in the first quarter here. I mean, Rashid Wallace... Comes out, absolutely blazing start, getting the Blazers a three-point lead by halftime. That extends to 13 points by the end of the third quarter and that's where the action really picks up. Kyle, in true Mamba fashion, Kobe comes out, and he is aggressive. What did you notice about the fourth quarter and how things started to change for Portland and L.A. in Game 7 here?
2: Well, you could kind of just feel the momentum swing just by rewatching it. Oh, you, you know, could, you, and you, it hurt. You, Yeah, you really could. You, you know, third quarter, you're watching, and it's like crowd in L.A., not really a factor. Nope. Blazers seem to be doing their thing. But slowly but surely, the Lakers just slowly start to build that le- – cut that lead down, and it obviously all comes down to the two that you would expect it to come down to, which is Kobe and Shaq. You know, Kobe ends up with nine points in the fourth quarter. Shaq ends up with nine points in the fourth quarter. It was just a back-and-forth, slow, low, low, um. low. <laughs> it was so brutal. It
1: was just watching two <laughs> of famers pass the ball back to each other saying, do you want to score this time or do I? Because this is really going to help both our legacies. Right, it
2: and, then, and it obviously gets capped off with the whole alley-oop to Shaq where he points to the rafters, just something yeah. that – as a Blazer fan, is a nightmare uh-huh. is an easy way of putting it. Um, something that I don't like to re-watch, but, uh, yeah, that's yeah, all and, I got. And to <laughs> add to that,
3: it was a slow beating, like you said. Kobe, Shaq, Kobe, Shaq. Don't forget about the couple Robert Ori threes in the corner. Because he Bob. made sure to hit two of those on us as well. <laughs> but for the Blazers, it was another game that we were led by Rasheed Wallace. And when you saw, it was kind of a, whenever we were led by Sheed. It seemed like the rest of our team kind of backed off a little bit. We didn't have as much scoring from our Steve Smith, Sarvitas, Damon Stoudemire kind of seemed to lack during Wait that. Wait for him to shoot Wait, a little more. Yes, it was like, she you go get it. And he kind of like held oh, the ball he too it. much. And he got it. Don't <laughs> Yeah. But um, one thing also to note is that Scottie Pippen, he ended up with 12 points in this game, had nine of them in the first quarter and three in the third quarter. He had no points in the fourth and no points in the second. And that's a guy – that you really need to get going in order to win a big game like this. So that was tough to see. Um, we were outscored a ton at the after the third quarter, twenty nine to nineteen. Needed a big fourth, and our guys didn't really step up.
1: No, and and with about seven minutes left, the Blazers actually go on a run where we missed 13 consecutive (sighs) Uh, shots. 13 Uh. consecutive shots, and in that same sequence, Lakers come down, tie the game. Um, I believe it's with about a minute left. Kobe Bryant gets the ball back, (sighs) tied here. Um, Let me look at the score real quick. I think we're tied at 79. Yes. And Kobe Bryant comes down, does a classic crossover elbow jump shot similar to the one he hit against Phoenix in the 2000- Seven or eight playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Kyle's doing the fist-up motion. Um, same exact spot. Nails that. Blazers down to feed the ball to Rashid. Unfortunately, a turnover, yes. and that's when the Lakers come down famously, as Kyle already brought up. Kobe breaks to his right, gets to the elbow, looks like he's putting up a floater. No, 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 no. no. It's an alley-oop lob to Shaquille O'Neal, who goes up and over Arvidas Sabonis, up and over the Blazers' roster, up and through the Blazers' playoff, or championship hopes in the year 2000. Slams the ball down, points to the rafters, and that pretty much seals the deal on the 2000 Blazers season the in the Western part Conference Finals. about this,
3: finals too? was... Most people around the league, after talking to my dad, seem to believe that whoever came out of this game was going to end up winning the NBA championship, and that's what ended up happening.
1: And that's a really good point, Tyler. As the Lakers go on to beat the Indiana Pacers, led by Reggie Miller, in five games, and let me tell you, the series wasn't even that close. It should have been a sweep, most likely. And uh, you already brought this up. Yep. I think most... People, more seasoned NBA fans <laughs> that were uh, more cognizant at that point probably agree Western Conference was winning the finals yep. that year regardless. Um, this one drove a stake through the heart of Blazers fans. Would you say re-watching real quick before we jump into the awards here, would you say this was the most painful Blazer series you've had to re-watch in your time or watch live?
3: I mean, it was up there for sure. I mean, Dallas
1: hurt, too, in 2011. b so, comeback. I thought it, we were on
3: to something. And that's one, that's one that hurts most for me, personally. Okay. We weren't... I mean, we were around, but we weren't watching these games, understanding what was happening. This is probably way more painful for our parents and maybe some of our older friends. But, like, the Dallas one hurts way more. This one still stings, don't get me wrong, and it really drove my Laker hate. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was still a tough one. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Kyle?
2: No, I agree. I think it... From my standpoint, being that I'm not as old as we've already talked about, it's yep. hard for me to say it's the most crushing loss I've experienced because it's not the most crushing loss I've I've experienced. But it definitely like rewatching it definitely makes you realize how much it would have hurt if yes. I was as caught. Or how good it would have felt if we <laughs> yeah, exactly
1: <laughs> right <laughs> exactly. And, and I think while this ranks up there, I'm gonna go ahead and strip my age out of the question, mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna based on the highlights I've seen, I would say that it's got to be. There. I think it was. 1990 when we lost to the Pistons in the finals, maybe 89. I think we should have beat that Bad Boys Pistons team with our early uh, 90s Blazers. And the Blazers went into Detroit and stole one of those games on the road before losing in five. So we came back to Portland and just kind of shit the bed in the finals. I think that, to me, has been more painful when I learned the Blazer history and kind of invest myself in the highlights. But what I will say, there's never been a more painful visual, and it continues to haunt me in my dreams than – the Kobe to Shaq alley and pointing to the rafters. Every time I see that highlight, I don't even look down to see Rashid slinking his head or no. Arvidas kind of walking off the court. I just know it's Portland. And although I might not have, my memory might not have been fully developed, it still stings me like it's any dame led squad that I'm more familiar with. Like that just kills me. And so. Well, the NBA
3: uh, makes sure to remind us about five yes. to ten times a year. Yes. A so. year.
1: A yeah. year. God damn it. We get it. They won yeah. the finals three straight years. Yeah. We've seen we enough know. of the Shaq. Yeah, we down. got it. Let's get into the fucking awards. Tyler, I'm starting with you we're only going to three awards this series and they're going to be blazer specific. I don't want we've talked oh. enough about Shaq and Kobe. Fuck the rest of the Lakers. Yep. I mean honestly, beat LA always. always. So, let's focus on the Blazers here. Focus on Rip City. Want to start with you. We're going to cover the MVP, the X factor for the series and the biggest moment. Tyler, okay. your award, MVP. Lay it on us.
3: Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to go Rashid Wallace here. Yes, he might have okay. um he might have not been the most Composed? Best. Composed? <laughs> He's not very good at uh, controlling his emotions, but damn, is he a good basketball player. He's generally the leading scorer on the team. Um, amazing touch, incredible athleticism. I'm going Sheed. Shout out Sheed. I, I think that's a
1: obvious and great choice. It, it had to be between him and Scotty yep. to me, but what I noticed watching these, Rasheed Wallace was legitimately the... Le- the original LaMarcus Aldridge yep. with a little more physicality and toughness, a yeah. little less on the shooting. I mean, he was a damn good shooter, but damn good shooter. Uh, I don't think it was to LaMarcus's touch level. Kyle, I know you were kind of noticing a similar comparison between those two. What, what did you think of Sheed versus LaMarcus, or LaMarcus emblemizing Sheed. Yeah, no. When I was career.
2: rewatching these games, that was the first thing that popped into my head. I was like, "Wow, these guys have very similar styles of play." Where Rashid, it was a lot of the. He was a little bit more, uh, I should say, closer to the block. Yeah, as yeah, I would absolutely. compare it to LaMarcus. Great LaMarcus call. had the same fadeaway as Sheed, but could do Just it from a out. from yeah. from a little bit further out. So, agreed. They had they both were good shooters. I think LaMarcus was the better shooter, but it was really cool to sh- to see like Sheed and uh, basically have like that same style of play. Because I'm used to watching LaMarcus. right? Right, but it's like in reality I should be thinking of a Lamarcus played like Sheed, but it was just cool to watch in yeah. overall. <laughs> and and
1: I think for our era, the younger Blazer fans, I think we all know Rashid as a Blazer legend, but more for his temper antics. and his uh, yeah. antics than his play so re-watching this there's like oh no He's that a was stuck. a bad boy yep. I mean I think if we were probably our age during the 2000s we'd all be yelling why is Rashid's number not in the rafters right. why is Rashid's yeah. number not in the rafters so I thought it was I'm with you guys it was really cool to watch Rashid dominate definitely the Blazers MVP during the series Kyle though who owned the biggest moment or what was the biggest moment to you I mean, this may be a hot
2: take in a lot of ways, but I'm going to go biggest moment was the uh, Scotty Pippen and Rick's fo- Rick Fox altercation in Game 3. Ooh, I like um, that. I like reason that. being is Spicey. it really just showed, it It, it led to Scotty showing how good of a player he really was. And we've already talked about it on this podcast where I I didn't really know how good Scotty was as a trailblazer. Like, I thought he was a little bit past his prime. But after that altercation, you really sh- you really got to see that, no, like, Scotty was still Scotty Pippen, set a top 50 player. Setting the tone. Still top 50 player the NBA probably top 20 at that time a guy that will literally take over a game if given the opportunity and he showed And game despite losing that game I understand we lost but it was not because of Scotty in his efforts Absolutely and throughout not. the series Scotty was fantastic so I, I got to give it to that moment it was fun to watch as a fan
1: I like that I, I think so too and it was something like you just said for us again I'm gonna stick with us being the younger generation I underestimated Scottie Pippen, and from that moment on, I saw, oh, that's why he's a top 50 all-time NBA player. Um, Last award here before we wrap up, and that's going to the X factor of the series. Not usually your star, someone who's doing the dirty work, someone who's putting in contributions that you might not expect in the box score. And for me, it's Steve Smith. I mean, this has been a a running theme so far through our two Reliving Rip City episodes that our shooting guard is kind of bringing that culture, bringing the hustle. But Steve Smith, much like Wesley Matthews, um, not scared of the big moment, not scared to take the big shot, more focused on the offensive end, Kyle. I think you mentioned that earlier. Not as good of a defender as Wesley. But that veteran presence, not being a star, having – you know, much like Robert Ory for the Lakers. Someone to, rely on. someone to rely on who's not your best player to make a big shot or, or convert and do the little things in big moments is huge. And I thought time and time again in all these replays, Steve Smith, right Stuck place, out. right yep. time, knocking down the shots we needed. And and so Steve Smith gets my X factor of the series. Absolutely. I agree. All right. That wraps up our second episode of the Reliving Rip City series. Please, please, please reach out to us and let us know any ideas. Or if you have some content you'd love to share, Blazer related, we'd love to be a sounding box for you. Let us amplify that. We'll give you all your credit that you rightfully deserve. We just want to showcase all of your talents here in Rip City and give the Rose City the best there is to offer. Next week, probably be back with another Reliving Rip City series until this NBA suspension passes. But for myself, for Tyler Baggenstoss, for Kyle George, it's the Backyard Blazers. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.
0: Peace. This is
1: A three wins the series. It's Lillard. He got the shot off.